back to our Advent reading that John and Nikki read over us earlier in John 3.16. It says that, for God so loved the world. And if you think about it, it's amazing that God loves us, isn't it? When John writes about this place called the world in the Bible, his description is not that the world is a big round place with a whole lot of people living in it, some 7 billion plus people but rather that it's a big round place with a lot of bad people living in it. A lot of people who are described as, described as being selfishly consumed by their cravings, pursuing that which elevates them at the expense of others, and is not bashful to tell everyone else in the world about their exploits. It's the place where a loving creator king has been dissed, and replaced with a bunch of self-appointed consumer kings. Not only is it a look-at-me kind of world, but it's an all-about-me kind of world. Yet the Bible says, for God so loved the world. It's amazing that God loves us. And he shows us the degree of his love in that he gave his one and only son. The Father sends and gives us his Son for the benefit of the world, which is much more astounding than the astounding love of a father giving himself for a son or a mother giving herself for a daughter, because it's the eternal Son of Man given for a bunch of selfish sons of men. And if you want to see the degree of that love, you will see it and you'll find it in the life of Jesus. You cannot escape it. It's everywhere throughout the Gospels. He looks at a crowd, a crowd which has drawn a crowd, and he says with compassion that they're sheep without a shepherd, that they need help, that they need guidance. I mean, I wasn't thinking about that the other day when I did my last-minute Christmas shopping out there. But you find him playing with little children and rebuking those snobby disciples who think that engaging with the least of these is beneath them because he's a rabbi and his favor is slowly and surely rocketing in the, in the poles. He has all sorts of favor now with the masses and then he stops and he spends time with the little children. And the Bible says that a broken reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. His love is gentle, it's edifying, and it's empathizing. He touches the diseased. He shows dignity to prostitutes, and even to tax-collecting IRS agents. All the time while wasting time with his friends. And the scripture says about his friends, those that he spent time, wasting time with, it says that he loved them to the end. All the way to the cross. And as the song goes, oh, one, what wondrous love is this, oh my soul. And the purpose of his love was so that we would have life, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. His love has a purpose. Yes, Jesus died on the cross, but so what? Was he just a victim of circumstance? A good guy who threw too much shade at the wrong guys? And because he was a better guy than they were, 
then that constitutes that the good guys are better than the bad guys, so you should try to be a good guy. No, his going to the cross, it had a purpose. It's not like the guy who said to his friends, you know what, I love you so much, and then he went and jumped off to the end of the pier and he drowned. That's messed up and that is purposeless. Jesus' purpose was to rescue us from our condemnation and receive his righteousness empowered by the Holy Spirit so that we could begin to live life as it was meant to be lived. To live a life that matters, knowing our true identity, having a deeper joy and an unfound peace, a pleasure in purity and an unspeakable love which gives firepower to play a part in his indomitable mission that the Father has sent the Son to do. To be a part of his worldwide saving adventure which will bubble up. It will bubble up and it will bubble up and explode into eternal happiness. Jesus' love came with a purpose so that we would have life. And so we'd have it to the full. So as we get ready to close... How do we receive this everlasting love? As we work through the verse, how do we receive his everlasting love? It comes to whosoever believes. Which doesn't mean to be better than someone else. It doesn't mean to be or do religious things, to pray five times a day, to go to mass three times a week, or to a church service three times a week. It doesn't mean to pay all of your taxes and to not sleep around and not smoke pot. Now those things may be a result of believing, but they are not the means to everlasting life about what you do and about what you don't do. To believe simply means to trust. To whosoever, it means simply to look to him. It's to trust in Jesus and not in ourselves. Trust stops trying to climb up to find God, but believes in the one who on Christmas Day was born and who came down to find us. And so now as we get ready to sing, we're reminded of the greatest treasure that the world has ever imagined and the greatest gift that has ever been given, that the Lord Jesus, he came down. And so we sing this evening. Will you stand with me? And we think of the words again as we contemplate the Lord Jesus. That morning, what child is this?